Hey, we want to thank you for listening today to a sermon from Edwards Lake Church. And we hope that you recognize the message of God as we open his word together and examine his incredible life-changing teaching. We pray that this message will challenge you, motivate you, or touch you in some way. Let's open the Bible together. Chapter 11, we're going to spend some time there this morning. Luke chapter 11. While you open there, I will first welcome our guest. It's always great to have guests, have people who want to spend time with us worshiping the Lord and learning about the Lord. And we, we are honored that you chose us to do that with. And uh, so thank you for being here. Uh, we hope you will stick around long enough for us to get to know you a little bit, talk to you a little bit, and, and uh, spend a little bit of time with you this morning. Uh, we are continuing on in our series. We have six more lessons in this series. I know that seems like forever still, but six more lessons in this series uh, because we've come a long way going through this idea of being continually devoted, uh, a theme that we have based off of Acts chapter 2, verse 42, where it talked about the early church and the things that they were continually devoted to, the apostles teaching to fellowship to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And we are moving into six lessons on prayer that I'm hoping will be maybe challenging, maybe growing for you, maybe help you see prayer in a different light than what we typically see it. So we're going to spend some time in Luke chapter 11 today as we introduce the concept of prayer and try to make sure that we have a good understanding of it. I, my lesson really is two points today. What prayer isn't and what prayer is. I don't think we need to go any deeper than that this morning as we introduce the topic. But that being said, there's a lot to talk about with those two ideas because we have a lot of poor ideas as to what we have taught prayer is, but the Bible teaches the prayer that prayer isn't. And then we have some ideas that we probably need to add to our concept of prayer as we examine what the Bible says that it is. Uh, this really is a, kind of a, a short list for us in trying to understand what prayer isn't. Uh, we tend to have all sorts of different ideas that have come from just various theological concepts as far as how we should engage in prayer. It is a difficult thing to pray. And I know that sounds odd because we are brought up with kind of this idea of anybody can do it and you can do it anywhere at any time and it is not something that is complicated. You just, you just talk to God. And, and that, 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 while it might be a simple explanation, is not a simple practice. You know, first of all, the idea of God having that understanding of who God is, understanding how he listens, understand what he wants us to say, what he wants us to be concerned about, what is it that is within his will that we should be talking to him about, how can we talk to him about something uh, when he already knows everything, and he knows the circumstances, he knows the past, he knows the future, he knows all of that, so how do you have a conversation with somebody who knows everything? 
And I don't mean some teenager who thinks he knows everything. A God who truly knows everything. And then you take the other concept from that very simple, simplified explanation or definition, talking. Now, I, I don't know about you, but I rarely actually feel like prayer is talking. Sometimes I, I might better define prayer as musing or having concentrated but quiet thoughts, maybe meditating, maybe centering my brain or thoughts on a particular idea or concept. But the idea of talking to an all-knowing but physically not present God is not as simple as we like to define it. And I want us to dig into this concept of what it means to truly talk to God and how to do that better over the course of these sermons. One thing I know that it is not is that it is not one-sided talking. And what I mean by that is this idea that prayer is just you sitting down and talking to God about all the things you feel and the thoughts of the day and the things you did right and the things you did poorly. Well, some of that is true. I'll be honest, it, a lot of that sounds more like therapy than it does prayer. And I think sometimes we, we get this view that God is our heavenly therapist who is sitting there in his, his chair and he's got this notepad in his left hand and his pen over here in his right hand and he is just licking the point of that pen and scribbling down all of our thoughts. And, and that his job is to sit there and go, mm-hmm, I see. And, and, and that's kind of this, we're laid out on the couch and we're just, we're just having this one-sided, let me tell you, all the thoughts of my day, and it, it, it is more of a therapy concept than it is a spiritual concept. And I'm going to argue that that is not prayer. You see that over in Luke chapter 11. You will when we read it in a moment. Prayer is also not groveling. I'm not saying there aren't times when we need to fall to our hands and knees and, and pray with deep emotion about things that have gone wrong or things that we have done wrong. I'm not saying that there aren't moments of prayer where it is, it is pleading with God regarding our guilt, regarding our shame, or regarding our, our desire to see his will done. Those are true moments of prayer. But that is not the same thing as what often gets presented in our modern culture regarding prayer. We, we are taught this idea of you just go to God and you plead for what you want. And as long as you ask sincerely enough and you ask emotionally enough that God will give you the desires of your heart. Don't read that anywhere. Closest you get is Luke 18, which we will examine uh, later on in this series. But, but that is 
a, a story that's taken well out of context if that's the conclusion you're walking away with. It's not merely pleading with God for you to get what you want, for you to feel the way you want to feel, for you to have the things you want to have, for you to, uh, to, to be healed the way you want to be healed, or, or any of those things. Prayer, honestly, is badly defined as a conversation between you and God because there is that sense of He is not physically present. It is very easy for me to have a conversation with a friend. Last night I uh, was able to take the boys to a, a UAB game and the lines were horrendously long in the food lines. And so Randy Jamerson, Joyce's uh, son, was also there. And he happened to get in the line right behind me. And so we had a nice, long, 40-ish minute conversation waiting on our food. And man, it helped the time go by. But that's not prayer. That's not what you have described in the Bible as prayer. It is not merely a, a, an exercise of devotion. And it is not just daily living. That has become a very modern concept that prayer is you pray by the way you live. As long as you are living before God as if you are in God's presence as we talked about last week, that that is an act of prayer. That's how you pray without ceasing. Well, you just... You just live out a life of devotion, and that daily living is prayer. Here's my problem with all of this, and I, I ran across this quote just this morning on accident, but it was so perfect for this sermon. It's by A.W. Tozer. He said, Worship ceases to be worship when we when oh man i'm just gonna have to read it i'm and i left my phone down there so worship i'm gonna i'm gonna butcher it but it, it it's good um you'll have to look it up i'll post it later all right worship ceases to be worship when we let the culture shine through us instead of christ i butchered it didn't i my wife's looking at my phone she's like that is horrible memory there i'm just gonna read it i gotta it's that good that i gotta read it for you and i care more about sir than i do about how ridiculous i look all right so worship is no longer worship when it reflects the culture around us more than christ within us that sounds so much better than what i said worship is no longer worship when it reflects the culture around us rather than christ within us i'd say the same thing about prayer Prayer is no longer prayer when it is more reflective of the culture we live in than it is of us pursuing the will of Christ. And, and that, is, that is what prayer has become for so many. That it is merely this kind of lackadaisical, laid-back, you know, God just fits in our schedule because God loves you and me so much that He just He is He is willing to to bridge every gap. He is willing to come as far as He has to come to live and, and exist and to do your pleading and, and to be at your bidding. And that is not prayer. That is not what you read in prayer. Now, look with me here. Luke chapter 11. And it's a little bit of a long reading, so I want you to read along with me. Luke chapter 11. I'm going to start right there at the beginning of the chapter. 
Luke chapter 11. He was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. He said to them, whenever you pray, say, Father, your name be honored as holy. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins, for we ourselves also forgive everyone in debt to us. And do not bring us into temptation. He also said to them, Suppose one of you has a friend and goes to him at midnight and says to him, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread, because a friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I don't have anything to offer him. Then he will answer from inside and say, Don't bother me. The door is already locked and my children and I have gone to bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he won't get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his friend's shameless boldness, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, the door will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Now, it's a bit of a long passage, but I want you to note a couple of things here. Just, just in, in, at first glance, and then we're going to spend a few minutes digging a little deeper. First of all, notice, if prayer was as simple as a conversation you have with somebody else, would the disciples have needed to ask for instruction? I mean, I know they are presented as if they don't understand certain things, but these are men who have grown up going to the synagogue. They have grown up in Jewish households. They have grown up learning how to pray and how to worship and how to serve God. This is something they're familiar with, but there's something about the way Jesus does it that it makes them want to learn better. And so they go to Jesus and they say, hey, teach us how to pray. Teach us how to do this right. That is not a lackadaisical conversation because everybody knows how to do that. There is something about prayer that is worth receiving instruction. And the disciples recognized it when they saw Jesus pray. Secondly, I want you to note that in the things that Jesus teaches them to pray, how much of it focuses not on self, but on God. It starts with the concept of God. It moves on to talk about praise. It talks about, yes, providing our need, but that, that admits a dependency on God. It talks about God giving forgiveness, but, but that is something that is kind of put on the end of us being willing to forgive others and keep the commands of God and live within the covenant of God. Uh, and then it talks about our purity. All of that doesn't focus on us and our wants and our needs as much as it focuses on God and His 
covenant. I think we lose sight of that sometimes in our modern presentations of prayer. Another thing I want you to notice is that even in the section where it does seem, at least at first glance, to focus in on us getting what we want, and it kind of presents maybe a a more of a vending machine style God. You order it up, you ask, you get it. You seek for it, you're going to find it. You knock on that door and door number two will be open to you. Notice it puts it in the context at the end there. If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. Notice it doesn't say there, brand new car. It doesn't say there, island vacation. It says, Holy Spirit. You, If you want something from God, God generously gives the Holy Spirit. That's a very different presentation than what we hear in the world. And I think that is an important distinction regarding how prayer works. The truth is, great prayers, prayers like what Jesus prayed, are God-centric prayers. They are not selfish. They are not about exalting us. They are not arrogant. They are not about making us look good or us get what we want. They are about God. They are filled with praise. They are filled with gratitude. They are filled with confidence that God is who God says He is and that He is the rewarder of those who seek Him. That's what prayers focus our mind on. They focus us on God, not on self. And the problem with the way we pray in modern days is that we spend our time in prayer focusing on what we want, what we think we should have, and what we believe our next step is in life. It's about us and not about God. And you're going to be hard-pressed to go through Scripture and build a case for that even when it talks about God giving us the things which we ask from Him, it gives this caveat of as He wills. Really appreciated Scott's Lord's Supper talk this morning. We could, maybe, we, if we don't put it there, we should put it here. Because we need to be reminded of that. That what we do what we pray, what we desire, what we want out of life, how we worship, all of that should be focused on what He wants, not what we want. I'm amazed. Well, I'm not amazed because I've been guilty of this myself. But we get so frustrated with prayers because we're not getting what we want or the way we really word that is, because God's not answering them. And we get so frustrated with that that we have, I think in a lot of ways, the, the church culture has just stopped praying about things. We pray generic prayers. Because if we get too specific, then God's probably gonna say no. 
Maybe it's because that's not what prayer's for. Maybe it's that we need to get back to what prayers are actually about, which is about pursuing God, not about pursuing self. And so we have redefined prayers to be about, about getting what we want, but prayers should be about changing who we are. You know, prayers are designed to give us confidence in our relationship with God and in a giving and generous God, and we should be recognizing that because of the way that we pray. But when all we pray are for selfish things, things that we want, things that we think we should have, and God says no, then we sit back and wonder, where is God in this? That hurt. Why isn't God answering prayers? Why isn't God doing for, for me what I think he should be doing? And then we lose confidence in God, or we lose confidence in our relationship with God, or we lose confidence in the concept of prayer. If we prayed correctly, we would gain confidence. Because the problem in prayer is not God, it's us. It's our understanding Prayer creates trust between us and Him. And prayer creates humility. You see that here in this prayer that Jesus Himself tells them that they need to be praying. Father, Your name be honored as holy. Now who does that focus on? Him. His holiness. His character. His perfection. His goodness. And then, your kingdom come. Who does that focus on? Him. Uh, Matthew's uh, account includes, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Who does that focus on? Him. And us being willing to put ourselves humbly at His feet, desiring His will, His kingdom, his, his covenant, that's what we want to come in contact with. It goes on, give us this day our daily bread. Who does that really focus on? Him. You know why that focuses on Him and not on us? Because He's already promised us daily bread. That's always been on the table for us. What are we told over in the Sermon on the Mount? A long display of of why are you, you sitting around coveting for bread and water and clothing? God takes care of the birds of the field, or of the air. God takes care of the flowers of the field. If God takes care of them, how much more will he provide for you? But instead, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Our daily bread has already been promised to us. We don't have to ask for it. Do though? because we're reminding ourselves where it comes from. Again, it's a focus on Him. Not on give me what I want, give me uh, some fancy thing, give, give me this, give me that. that. That's not what prayer is for. Prayer is for me to recognize with God His blessing that He has already promised. And and if we were doing that, it, it would cause us to trust Him a little more. Forgive us our sins as we also have forgiven everyone in debt to us. Doesn't that require you to be a little bit introspective? 
put life in the context of am I doing the things that the covenant says I need to be doing? Doesn't it refocus us on that? That, that I recognize his forgiveness of me and I recognize that no matter uh, what somebody else has done to me, how they're indebted to me, it by no means measures up to how indebted I am to him. And so I am willing to forgive all the people around me because he has already forgiven me. It's introspective. It forces us onto our knees. And we lose sight of that with the modern way of praying. We have prayed too long about too many selfish desires. And we need to be praying about God's desires. And do not bring us into temptation. That also, it, it, it's intentional. It, it, it's focused on bringing our attention back to doing things God's way. It's that idea of not protect me, not, not, I mean, uh, there is the concept of protection, but it's the idea of I recognize that I am surrounded by temptation and I need you to protect me. I need you to be my guard. I need you to be the shield about me. I need you to be the one that I can depend on as I face the circumstances and the temptations of life. So God, please deliver me from all these temptations. That places all of our attention back on God, not on us. Do you know what it does do? It causes me to start changing who I am. Because now I'm going to be a person who trusts in God. I'm going to be a person who's confident in God's promises and His blessing. I'm going to be a humble person who is dependent on God. That changes me. That's not what you're going to read articles about if you Google how to pray. You know, I find as you continue to read on in this passage, these prayers, they they were intentional. They they weren't flippant. They weren't uh, relaxed. They weren't something that you just sat down and did at any moment. I'm not saying that those prayers are wrong. I'm not saying it's not good for us to to just sit down and focus on God. I, I, please don't run from one extreme to the other in, in what I'm trying to share with you. I just want you to think about prayer maybe in a different light. Some, our prayers should be intentional times of focus on Him. Not a, a few minutes that we squeeze in at the end of a Bible reading because we've got to get on with our day and go jump in the shower. We're speaking to the Creator. We're speaking to the One who makes and sustains us. We're speaking to the One who has crafted all of history to bring about a Savior for your sins. Should you treat Him flippantly? I'm guilty of this. I, I, I have for years argued, and I don't do it, so this is really hypocritical of me to even teach this, but I have for years argued that one of the best things we should do is start keeping a journal 
in which we write down things, we pray about things, we're praising God for things that we're, we're asking God for and, and all those types of things. I still think it's a good practice. I'm just, I'm not a journaler. I have learned that about myself because I have more journals in my closet with four pages written on and the rest of it blank than probably any human ever should. But it, it but I look at that and I, I, I see that, that practice of sitting down and focusing intently on what I'm going to pray about and writing it out, and, and spending time dwelling on those words, there's such a benefit to that, that. That we lose when we just pray on the fly. Not saying you shouldn't pray at, at, at a needful moment, but I am saying you should make time to pray intentionally and, and in a focused way where you can really sit down and dwell on the character of God. You, you can... Truly sit down and, and, and have your thoughts uninterrupted in prayer. And that's not about getting what you want out of God. It's about you giving to God what He deserves. And we forget that. You know, prayers in Scripture are regular. You know, if I'm praying, give me this day my daily bread. How often do I pray that prayer? This day. It, it's a regular practice. And again, I, I'm, I'm trying to help you redefine that in a way that it's not about you getting this day what you want out of God. It's about you recognizing every single day that God is the giver of those blessings. But we need to do that regularly. It needs to be something that is a continual and repeated practice for every single one of us. It is something that we should, as God's people, constantly be coming to the feet of God on His throne and talking with Him. And, and, and I say, do that with the intention and focus that it doesn't become rote or repetitious or meaningless. You know, when and, and I, I found myself guilty of this a few months ago, uh, I have two regular times, I, mean, I have several, but two regular times that I pray with my family. I, in the morning at breakfast, we, we always have a, a Bible time where we do memory verses and Bible reading and we sing a song together. And so we have a little time where we worship together as a family. And it has been our tradition that, you know, one of our kids leads prayers for the meals, but I lead the Bible time prayer. I lead the prayer at the end of Bible time because you can't worship God without ending in prayer. Nobody knows it's over. I'm kidding, but we're kind of that way. Have you ever been in a service where it didn't end with prayer and everybody's like, what do, what do we do next? There was no amen. So, it, um, so I, it's been my tradition to lead that prayer. And for, for months... That prayer was the exact same. Bless our day, help us to have good attitude, and help us to, to, to excel at whatever we do. And that was essentially the, the building blocks of that prayer. It worded almost exactly the same, and it got to where it started bothering me. Because while the prayer was a regular prayer, and while those, those, those ideas were ideas that needed to be reflected in prayer, maybe a little too selfish, but they, they needed to be reflected in prayer they had become rote. 
It's almost like I could just recite the prayer without really even thinking about it. And I didn't, my wife and I pray every night before we go to bed, and I started doing the same thing there too. Where it was essentially the same prayer, about five, six sentences, and that was about it. Shame on me. Just because a prayer is regular and a habit and part of a practice does not mean that it should be any less genuine. I got to remember who I'm talking to. I got to remember what all he has done for me. I've got to remember what all I can be doing for him if I'm seeking his will and his covenant. And I'm going to tell you, prayer should be unceasing. I, I, I'll be honest, I, I, and this is my opinion, and I, I preface it with that. I don't know that that means unending in the sense of you should never not be praying. And I've, I've heard it taught that way. As much as it is a statement that says we should always have need to praise God. Because even in the context, the, narr- the very next verse is, and everything give thanks for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And so that idea of pray without ceasing, I, I don't know that it means never stop literally being in the frame of prayer as much as it means always be in, in thanksgiving and gratitude and praise to God in every circumstance. That every, uh, you know, there's no reason ever to not be praying and focusing on God. And, and I think there's a lesson there. Here, in this passage in Luke chapter 11, you've got a, a neighbor who has a specific need who has come up, so he goes and asks his neighbor for help, and he gets the help, and he gets an abundant amount of help because of his persistence, because he was unceasing in his request. And so the context here is, basically, if this guy can get that out of his neighbor who doesn't want to help, how much more will you get from a God who does want to help you? Who does want to treat you generously? And so when we need help, He will richly supply the Holy Spirit on our behalf. That's the context. We should be willing to go to God for that help. For for that kind of focus on him. Now again, my, my goal today was not to say, don't go home and pray, thank you for my food. That, that, that's not my point. And my goal today is not to say that if you have some sort of health need, that you shouldn't be praying about it because that's focusing on self instead of focusing on God. That, again, don't run to the extreme. Don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. We could use a hundred different uh, expressions here. Okay? But I do want you to consider how, how you pray, why you pray, and are you truly accessing the purpose of prayer or are you focusing on self alone? We have a great opportunity in prayer to truly get our attention back to God. 
We're going to look in this series at different prayers from Scripture, and you're going to see personal requests in there. I'm I'm not saying we can't make those, but what you're going to find is as people made personal requests, they also made those requests in light of how it affected the covenant, the kingdom, or God's will. And maybe we need to do that. We need to get back to praying prayers as Jesus intended them to be prayed, which is focused on God and what He can do and not just self and what we want. I'm going to tell you, God's will, if you want to pursue what God wants, God's will is that each one of us be part of His kingdom. And if you're not, if you've not had your sins washed away in baptism, that's where you need to be thinking. It's what you need to be praying about. That's what you need to be focusing on. That God would give you clarity regarding His will. That you should believe, that you should repent of your sins, that you should confess Him or agree, um, admit that He is your Lord and then be baptized into Christ. And so that, that... That's God's will for you, if you've not done that. But for most of us who have done that, I'm going to challenge you this week to spend the week praying with an attention on God instead of self. I'm going to tell you, if you try it, you're going to find yourself frustrated with the way that you pray. Because we so quickly and so automatically jump to personal requests and what we want. And we don't spend nearly enough time focusing on what God's will says we should be doing. So I encourage you, if you're not a child of God, we want to help you. We want to teach you. We want to baptize you if you are ready. And if you are a child of God, challenge yourself to be more in keeping with what God says about prayer. Thanks for listening and studying God's Word with us. We want to help you draw closer to Jesus as your Lord. If you feel some need as a result of today's message, whether that be a need to seek God's salvation or you are just in the need of prayers, please reach out to us. You can find out more about us, including contact information at edwardslakechurch.org. If you want to continue to open God's Word with us, please check out other sermons on our podcast or come visit with us at Edwards Lake Church anytime you can. Thanks again, and we pray God's blessings for you.